Alan, is that Top Gun? Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Good. Hey, is that the new Top Gun or the old one? The old one's it, the only real one. Right. Yeah, it's the, it's the original one. Ryan, yeah. What? Sorry if you. about the original. No, no Ryan. Oh, Ryan, during the what? intro, if we could stay quiet during the intro. That would be... Oh, wait, right now? Please. Quiet? Oh, oh. Hi, and welcome to the Wireless Podca- Podcast. Oh. <laughs> With beer, it's fast, free, and friction. Ryan, you put me off. What? Today, we have a special guest from MetaGeek, Ryan Wooding. Hi. I'm your host. Hi, Dan. <laughs> I'm your host, Dan Jones. I've got Ryan Dodds, Christian Roberts, and Knee Deep Insider, Mr. Alan Blake. Hey guys. Hey, how's it going? Great. Good. I really messed up the intro then, but in true pubcast fashion, that will do. One take wonders. (laughs) (laughs) And we actually practiced that one. We did. We did. Christian, don't don't destroy the illusion. (laughs) Come on, we're working hard on this. How are you guys? Not bad. Alright, can't complain. Tunny. Good. I like the intro, <laughs> mind. Insider, as in Insider, because it's Meta Geek. Not the alcohol, right? Yeah. It rather it rather that or IPA, <laughs> which is what I've uh, chosen tonight. Some shipyard IPA. Going straight yeah. from <laughs> Um I gotta say, Ryan, that's why we're probably loving you as our favourite vendor at the moment, because you've got IPA. Yeah. And insider, it's brilliant. When you Love it. when you bring out the next product, it has to be kind vodka. of you know, vodka. Yeah, Whiskey. it has to be. <laughs> it has to be something alcohol based. You know, like, stout. Yeah, you know, stout. Twenty twenty. Okay. Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when, yeah. our next thing that we're working on is um, targeted for home Wi-Fi because some people are working from home now, and the Wi-Fi is yeah. you know critical now. So. Yeah, it's like maybe homebrew or something. Oh, you know, that's good. Something along those yeah. lines. Like yeah. yeah. That could work. We look forward to um, that then. Well, our next big marketing campaign, we're already prepping. We have to prep every year for World IPA Day. It's like August 9th nice. or something. Yeah, that's one of the big Medigeek marketing <laughs> okay. days. So. Okay. Yeah. We should probably jump in on that as well at some point. Definitely. <laughs> Just I mean, it's World IPA Day. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. So, I mean, Ryan, thank you for joining us. I know that it's obviously not evening where you are. Um, what what beverage do you have right now? I actually just have water. Just water okay. bottle. Oh, but it's in a cool yeah. bottle. Yeah, it's a cool bottle. But you'll notice I'm also in my car. We're actually on vacation at the mountain cabin at a bum wife after city hall. So, <laughs> just. <laughs> Figures nice. a bad place to, to have a drink in the car next to City Hall. To be fair, that, that sounds that sounds pretty dedicated. Most people would have just sacked us off completely, mid. <laughs> yeah. You're on your holiday. Yeah. You're in your car. You're in a town hall Wi-Fi, and you're here. This is this is professional dedication, people. This is what MediGeek bring. Yeah. Just just yeah. we are we are in a pub though. It's a it's a virtual pub. That's yeah. yes, yeah, of that's course. Right. We need to keep up that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that. Are there many bears where you are then, Ryan? Are there any what? Bears? Bears, yeah. Do you get any bears um, where you're up in the mountains? Yeah, I haven't seen any bears. We saw some deer yesterday, but no bears. Really? Did you, did you run any over? No. No, my wife does the driving mostly. So, 
she loves the mountain <laughs> roads and, and the Audi. So, the Audi, yeah. nice. Yeah, Audi Q7. Ooh, very so nice. So we car. got it stocked with paddle nice boards car. and the mountain bikes on the back and just like all the gear hanging off the car. What color is it? I love the I love nice. the blue ones. You know, the sky blue it's color. Just the typical silver one. All right. So yeah. Moving on. I <laughs> uh, love it. Cool. Okay, Christian, what are you what are you drinking this evening? Um, I've gone for like I said, some shipyard American IPA to, to cover all bases, and I've got a vodka and coke as well, just for good measure. Nice. You're actually drinking beer this evening. It tastes a bit like soap. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like that makes me laugh because then you obviously know what soap tastes like and, it, and again it's one of these ones where <laughs> yes, this so beer much. tastes like piss and it's like well how do you know what piss tastes like because it's not something i know what tastes like <laughs> my, my, my my grand no my grandparents my auntie used to wash my mouth out with soap when i was a kid and i told her to f off <laughs> you think I'm joking? <laughs> that sounds like a very Yorkshire thing to happen. That's amazing. To be fair, it happened up here as well. Every time he hits that button, it's like good doing, good doing, unmute, good doing. Love it, Ryan. What are you drinking? I've got Dodsy. Stella. Stella, of course he has. Stella. It's on the wife beater. Mm-hmm. I was going to put my vest on, that... but you could see me nipple through it. <laughs> is that is that a magnum you're eating at the same time as well? It is. <clears throat> how do they, how how well do they go together? A Stella and a Magnum. Well, I didn't dip it in the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> do do you have do you have Magnum ice creams in America? Because that that could have a very different meaning, couldn't it? Well, I don't think we do. That's true. No, no. They look like a, like a just like ice cream sandwich. It's it's just yeah, a chocolate ice on a stick. Really, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's like yeah, yeah. Not, not, it's like not, not ice cream on with... a stick covered in chocolate. Okay. Nothing to <laughs> do with guns. It's the look. <laughs> it's the luxurious, <laughs> you know, top end of ice creams. You know, ice oh. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Are two pound fifty a box? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right, right there with the uh, Frankie and Benny's and ice cream. Door. At door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Frankie and Benny's ice cream. I got a minute. It's a Frankie and Benny's ice cream. But I want to go back. I want to go back. Ben and Jerry's. There we go. I want to know because I might hear that again later. (laughs) Not on the list. Is it not? You said Frankie and Benny's ice cream. No, Ben and Jerry's. You said Frankie and Benny's. (laughs) Pizza flavored ice cream. Yeah, calzone flavored. (laughs) Restaurants. Oh man, sorry. That that's funny. Did you see? Just talking about really weird flavors. Did you see that? Who said that? You right? That saw that someone had a stick of rock that was like. Pasty flavoured or pasty, 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 pasty flavour. Yeah, stick a rock. Oh man, that's just, <laughs> that is rough. That's rank. That is rough. Right, Alan, what are you drinking? Oh, so I, I too, I'm drinking a uh, IPA, but I'm drinking the Sea Bomb. The Sea Bomb. The C-bomb. Arbor Sea Bomb. Arbor Sea Bomb. And if I've had too many of these, I may be dropping the Sea Bomb later on in this podcast <laughs> if I'm not careful. <laughs> Depends what we end up talking about, but here we go. But I'll do my best. Anyway. Nice. And, I got, and, and as always, I have a multitude of choices. Um, I have another one called Punchy. It's it's an APA look. I don't know if you can, oh, you can't see it, can you? An APA? Yeah, honestly. American Pale Ale. An American Pale Ale. Yeah, not an IPA. It's a 
APA. Yeah. That's a new so thing. So APA stand is for American, American Pale Ale, and IPA stands for what? Indian? Indian. Indian, Indian. Yeah. Indian yeah. But I've oh, got an American yeah. I've got an American IPA, so what's that? Yeah, it's an, an American Indian. It's an AIPA, isn't it? Pale Ale. <laughs> what if you got an Indian American Pale Ale? You know, oh um, no! Come on, right? <laughs> come on. Is, anyone, is anyone making them yet? <laughs> okay, so I I've got uh, Dogma Brewery. It's called F- Flying Dogma. It's a Galaxy IPA. So because I felt like I had to have an IPA for this evening, um, I do also have a glass of Chateau Neuf de Pape. Classy. <laughs> Shock. It is a lovely wine. It went it went really 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 nicely with my uh spaghetti bolognese that I had just a minute ago. You didn't have spaghetti Beauty. bolognese. That's I too did. common. That's too common for you. <laughs> but you had lobster thermidor or something like that, didn't you? <laughs> What's the thermidor? Well, I don't know. Warm, it? <laughs> he, d- he just heard it once as he was walking past the restaurant. <laughs> I think it was like sixty quid on the menu. I thought I'm not having that thermidor. Maybe it was just maybe it was just the waiter. Maybe it was like I'll have lobster Theodore, and you just heard thermidor. Thermidor. <laughs> 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 oh, that's good. Okay, great. Right. Well, again, thank you, Ryan, for for being with us. I'm, I'm, I'm welcome to the pub. As, as you can tell, we are very technical here. Uh, we like to make sure that we, you know, really get into the weeds of it. Um, in fact, I think later on we might have to because I think we've got a uh, a, a voicemail from um, German again. Two. So. Uh, two voicemails. German. Two. Two of them. German. Yeah. 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 So uh, why don't we leave them to a little bit later? Because then the more we've drunk. <laughs> Probably the better we'll understand. Yeah, if you leave them till the they'll disappear. <laughs> <laughs> I'd prefer to okay. be sober. <laughs> Just because <laughs> I, I completely forget everything I've ever spoke about or thought about when I get drunk. Which is nice. now weekly and we record it. It's great. Do, shall we start with the first question then? Because it's, it's an easy one and it might get us onto some uh, an, an good intro about uh, yeah. MetaGeek. So let's let's start with this one. Yes, hi, Wireless Podcast. My name is Fernie Fernando Rodriguez-Smith. I'm a big fan of yours, but I have a question for the real Ryan, not the fake Ryan. And the question is, where did MetaGeek get its name from? Thanks very much, and keep up the good work, gentlemen. You're doing mighty fine spiffing job. Alan, what the hell was that accent? <laughs> Why okay. do you think it's me? It's not me. <laughs> oh, no. No, it's not clear. It doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like... <laughs> if it was going to be me, I would have done my really good Welsh accent. As you well know, I'm no, not really good at that. No. <laughs> it would have been so grotesque. <laughs> Where, where where did the where did the Meta Geek name come from? Oh no, I think Ryan's I think Ryan's free <laughs> Wi-Fi times run out. <laughs> I think he's decided. I think he's decided to carry on driving. <laughs> he's had enough. He's got oh, out. No. I think that one that he's, one was he's, too difficult. He's got out of dodge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. Uh, oh dear. Can let's, we spec? Uh, let's. Can, does anyone let's here know? Cut where? it here. 
Got a nice picture of him though. Yeah. He's look, look at he, the way I've got it on my screen. It's like he's looking down at Ryan affectionately, going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's killed it then. Excellent. I'll play some um, waiting room music. music. I'll play some waiting room music over the top of this, and we'll do Good some. Sorry, God. I was going to say, Ryan, we're going to have to do some... We apologise for some technical difficulties right now, but we'll please stand by and we'll be right back at you. you. We need to do some voiceovers like that and we can kind of sort of like saying, do Ryan... You would do you what? Yeah, go on then. We apologise for the technical difficulties experienced tonight. <laughs> please bear with us and we'll be back as soon as possible. You sound like that bloke who does the announcements at King's Cross. <laughs> Honest to God, I was petrified if I heard that one. Please stand by. <laughs> Please mind the edge of the platform or you might get sucked off. Bring it on! Do um do one in your Dan Jones voice. <laughs> that one's gone. Come on, Ferdy. <laughs> oh my god. You alright there, mid? I think we broke Alan. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Let's get it together. I'm being a professional. I've got tears <laughs> in my eyes from all that crying. <laughs> Day two in the podcast house. <laughs> Alan's just pissed himself. <laughs> Again. Oh, um, what happened this is off. This, this is off. <laughs> he, he, did, he did get kicked off his free oh, Wi-Fi. Oh, he's back. He's there back. you go. still connecting hey Ryan you need to pay next hey. time right <laughs> yeah. oh wow first question I'm like oh this is too hard I'm out of here it's, it's okay <laughs> we, uh... that's what we thought <laughs> did, did you hear the question um, about where did Medigate get its name yeah yeah um, so I was in college and back in like AOL Instant Messenger days, I used MediGeek as my handle because if you get to know me, I'm geek. I'm like I'm geek in a lot of different ways. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Anyway, um, I'm geek of a lot of different things, and so it's sort of like a meta geek level, not just like a normal geek of one thing, but I'm geek of like a lot of different things. So that's where it came from. And then you just go in, when you in chat rooms and go, hey ASL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember AOL. That was cool. Um, yeah. So then trying to find trying to find a company name that doesn't have trademarks and stuff is difficult. Yeah. So I ended up just checking that handle and like it worked. And so I went with it. Nice. So, That's a good orange story. I like yeah. that. That's nice. You are, you are MetaGeek. Yes. So I am MetaGeek. Like MetaGeek.com is my personal email. 
Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we've, oh, we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got, we've got three listeners. Like <laughs> we've got three listeners. Three listeners, that's it. We, so, uh, they'll, they'll email we, we can delete that, don't worry. <laughs> we can delete that. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, how did you, so, sorry, just to carry on from, I guess, the origin story then. Oh, is that where you were going, Dan? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 Alan, you, no, you carry on, mate. I'm, no, I'm, no, 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 no. Since you, no, um, you carry since on. Since you told us your email address, does it say MetaGeek on the front of your credit card as well? Do you just want to show us the front <laughs> and the back? <laughs> and if you if you give me some, if you transfer me some bitcoins, I'll transfer you double. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, See, I'm not drinking enough to keep up with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my my question was going to be so how did how did MetaGeek start then how did you how did you I was going to say that <sighs> how, how how did it come about what, you know what was that what's your kind of story on, on how MetaGeek started yeah so um I did bachelor's master's in computer science and I did my master's and ended up in a lot of wireless stuff at the time it was infrared and Bluetooth going a little bit of Wi-Fi and then I was working at um, a company doing short range wireless for like mice and keyboards. So it's kind of like a Bluetooth adaptation just for like really short range, low power stuff. Um, and when I was doing that, I had to use a giant spectrum analyzer and it was really expensive. We had one in the office, it was on a cart. We had to wheel it around, it took up the entire cubicle basically. And um, I was trying to get the wireless mouse to not get interference from the Wi-Fi. And when I was doing that, I basically had to turn the wireless mouse dongle into kind of a poor man spectrum analyzer to tell where the wi-fi was and so it's kind of a flip of what wi-fi does now but it was like i was using the mouse to avoid the wi-fi and when i was doing that i basically came up with the first wi-spy my boss at the time had been a serial entrepreneur and so he basically told me like here's the factory you go to here's the patent lawyer you go to here's how you how you start your own business nice. i was like oh this is fun this nice little side project and so i ordered 240 wi-spy from the factory put up a website put paypal on it and then it got posted to Engadget.com, sold 65 the first day, was sold out in three weeks, took all that money, bought more, sold out, and just kind of bankrolled and it took off. And so I quit my day job and went full time. And then it was more than I could do on my own to do the shipping and the support and new software and everything. So then I talked a buddy of mine into joining me and I talked my mom into helping out with some of the, the finance and stuff. She did some QuickBooks and I had no idea how to do finance. <laughs> So I basically gave her box, a shoebox of receipts like, hey, mom, can you help me? Um, and so she joined and she worked at Medigeek for almost 10 years. She's finally retired now. Um, so that's kind of how it started. It's just like me and then me and a buddy, then me and my mom, and just kind of built from there into like kind of a kind of a legit company. It's been 15 years now. So it's pretty crazy. Yes. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That I must admit. Yeah, from Wise, just just from selling Spy. Yep. Started out just, just a little Spy, oh. and then... Um, couple years after we started the Wi-Spy, then like we wanted to do more with Wi-Fi information. And at the time NetStumbler was the big kind of war driving Wi-Fi scanner tool. And it had been worked on for a little while. And so it was starting to crash on Windows, I think Vista at the time, 64-bit Windows, I don't know what work. And so we said, well, what if we kind of build a new version of NetStumbler, make it cooler and kind of go from there. And that'll also at the time, like we had no marketing expertise. So we basically said, if we do free software, that's a good way to get marketing out there. We know how to do free software, so let's do that. So that was our like our whole marketing initiative for the first two or three years of Medigeek was just, hey, let's get some free software and get some publicity on that. And so that's how Insider was born. 
and then from there we just kind of kept building and building nice so what 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 suite of tools do you have now because I've, I've to be honest with you it's been a few years since i've used them but when i did use them i, I thought they're brilliant especially uh channelizer i thought that was absolutely fantastic what what tools do you have out there now yeah so like i said channelizer is is our main one and that works with YSpy. um we recently came out with YSpy air which is more of a mobile version of YSpy for android and ios um we have ipa which we mentioned and that's a good one for wireless podcast IPA is more of a packet analyzer. And then on the kind of simpler end, we have Insider. Insider's great. It started out as just a Wi-Fi scanner, but now we've built in packets and a lot of things into it. So Insider now has um, Wi-Fi scanner, packet analysis, and spectrum analysis all tied together. So it's a great kind of first tool. If you go into a situation to troubleshoot, break out Insider, kind of see where the problem might be, and then you can break out um, Channelizer or IPA or something, a little more in-depth tool. And so that's our basic kind of suite of tools for professionals. As I mentioned, we're working a little nice. bit more on like a home offering right now, but that's not released yet. What platforms is that? It's what, sorry, what platforms do you get? Uh, does Insider run on now? Um, it's on Windows and we have a beta on Mac. And I know we get Mac questions. I always get tons of Mac questions, but last week I actually had Visual Studio for Mac open and we're tinkering in there. So we're trying to expand into Mac. It's hard for us because we have a team and the Mac platform, while there's a lot of dedicated, loyal um, users on it, it's still not a very big market share for us. And so we're trying to struggle with like, how do we actually build, get to build for two iOS. platforms and not just one. And yeah, then, so, like I mentioned... Because obviously we've got ARM, ARM Macs coming now, and every, yeah. every iOS app will run um, on the Macs. Right? Yeah, so that's going to... Yeah, that's going to throw a wrench into things too, a little bit, you know, like, okay, well, how, do we, how do we go down this angle? Right now, all of our stuff is in C Sharp, and so we can port it. Um, onto to Mac, but we can also do some iOS stuff. And then um, Air Viewer for the Wi-Fi Air is on Android and iOS. Just just to jump in, so that that was one of Chris Reed's questions. I won't, I won't play it because he, he just basically said he wants to throw money at you to uh, to buy IPA on Mac. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I would too. I think I think that's a it's a great set of tools you've got. To be honest, um, I've I've got all the I've got the full suite of the Medicaid products. <clears throat> and um, what I've, I, c- I couldn't agree with you more with regards to Insider. So that's my go-to tool. As soon as I get the site, open that up. And the expert version that you released in beta recently mm-hmm. with yep. the packets and the retries when you plug in the um, the compatible dongle, that is Very phenomenal. Impressed. It really is. I was showing Dan a couple of weeks ago. Um, how it also puts it into the charts as well, and it looks very IPA-ish. Um, yep. I, I might be wrong, but can I see some synergy coming in to the two here, judging by the user interface and how well mm-hmm. it looks and how similar they operate in now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so after we started getting some packets in the back end of Insider, and particularly that, it's like... Um, We've had people always ask for a live IPA, live PA. And so I said, hey, well, what if we can do some of this in Insider? And so started kind of working from there. And it's in, Insider is more like a live version of IPA. And so it doesn't have as much depth, but it's all live data. And we just recently added in there, we can just press record basically, and it'll start a packet capture. And so you can tinker in Insider, get to the, the um, access point or client that you want to track, hit record, it'll record the, the PCAP. And then it'll automatically open in IPA. 
So we've tried to do some good synergy there between seeing insiders mm. more like the capture and yeah. then IPA can do a little bit deeper analysis on it. I, I, yeah, when Ryan showed me that the other day, I was like, oh, this looks nice, really nice. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the, I'm gonna steal the limelight a little bit, and I'm gonna ask a question that I wanted to. So in <laughs> IPA, right? I use IPA a lot, and I had a very very difficult environment last year to troubleshoot with regards to airtime utilization. Um, I used IPA all throughout, and one of the biggest things that I wanted out of it was the ability to be able to export the charts. Um, I had to screenshot them, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't report on them, so I had to take screenshots and manipulate them and things like that. It'd be great if you could have an export function, or even a, a quick report button uh, where you can just mm-hmm. do. Because I know at the end you've got an analyze feature, where it says this yeah. is what could be wrong with the network. It would be brilliant if you could just report on all of that and show some great visuals around that, so you can put them into a, a survey report or a, um, like a troubleshoot analysis. It. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could yeah, write like... a script, Ryan in Python, and learn some coding, and then do it yourself <laughs> instead of having to ask That's... someone like Ryan to it do it for like you. Far <laughs> too much hard work, that. Yeah, but so basically, you want, if we could just dump all the charts and graphs and everything. Yeah, something like that. Even if it was just a a, a copy button at the top where you just copy that visualization and paste mm-hmm. it, that would be even better. Mm-hmm. Okay. If if you want, uh, Ryan, we can cut that conversation out, and you can pretend it was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I think um, like for me, IPA on an iPad with the the Y-Spy Air would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really cool. So to be able to capture from the Y-Spy Air and then analyze right there and then on the on the ipad and then obviously with a catalyst app now you can have that so it'd work on mac as well so um that's that's my that's my thing that i'd like please ryan <laughs> mm-hmm. i like it i like it um i have a little surface go that i test and tinker with and so i've been playing around with some of those things on the surface go i was like okay here's what more of a tablet mm-hmm. would look like and it's it is nice being able to do like insider and then straight to IPA on the tablet. It's nice and light. You can walk around easily. Yeah. Yeah. Tablet form factor for, I think, a lot of Wi Fi analysis is so much better than like a yeah. laptop around. Do you know, it's nice to hear someone using a Surface Go because I thought I was the only one that used the Surface Go. <laughs> it's a nice little, nice little tablet. It, it's tablet brilliant. That's my, that's mm-hmm. my troubleshooting sort of piece of kit. So when I'm traveling up and down the country, but I don't necessarily need to take my laptop. I'll just because I've got all the apps loaded onto there. Mm-hmm. I just take it with me, and that's one of yeah. the benefits is that the full MetaGeek suite runs flawlessly on those, mm-hmm. the the lower powered ones. Although I have noticed IPA does struggle a little bit uh, with mm. um, larger packet captures. I assume that because yeah. there's no sixty four bit version. Yeah, that's but you right. you did an update recently for IPA to kind of combat that a bit, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, um, we rewrote the packet engine on the back end, and so it takes about half as much memory as it used to take, and it'll handle a lot larger files than it used to. And it also now has like a more of a paging. So at 500,000 packets, it'll stop. And so at 500,000 packets, it'll kind of analyze that section. Before, if you had, you know, 
an hour long peek app. It would try to suck mm-hmm. in the whole thing and analyze all of it, and it would just crash yeah, in the middle. Nice. So, I mean, we've got a couple of questions about sort of the future of, well, future products or feature suggestions. Um, so there's two in particular that I'll 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 play now actually in a row because um, they're both on a very similar topic. If that's all right, um, just give me two seconds. Make sure I'm sharing. Right, here we go. Hi, it's JJ. How long until you get a six gigahertz spec an out? And have you contemplated doing anything for the millimeter wave frequencies? And then the next one is this one. Hey guys, it's uh, American McNeil here coming at you from the industrial Wi-Fi shop. <clears throat> Meta geek, love it. Uh, big fan of Channelizer and IPA. They're my go-tos. Uh, but Meta geek, man, when are you guys bringing back the 900 megahertz uh, Wi-Fi adapter? We need it, um, especially in this day and age of, of IoT devices and and IOT devices with so many new protocols or uh, newer protocols using 900 megahertz, Z-Wave, Halo, um, even some flavors of Zigbee, believe it or not. Uh, so it's not just a selfish thing for me wanting a new toy. When are you guys bringing back the 900 megahertz adapter for use with Channelizer? I've, ne- I've never seen Alan Blake agree so much. He's like that the whole way through, nodding along. Yeah, 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 <laughs> 900 meg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man. I'm just going away. I'm just kind of mimicking the fact that I think this guy, this, what was his name again? Industrial Wi-Fi guy. Um, Scott. The, <laughs> the, 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 way, the way he talks, it's like, I expect him to just be kind of like kitted out in like Stetson cowboy boots. You know, he's got like a <laughs> full of guns and an AK on his back. He's like, you know, just the kind of guy that's like, yeah, I'm going to go shoot me some APs. <laughs> <laughs> he makes so, some yeah. good points he makes some really yeah. good points and it's interesting point. because yeah, yeah. we were having a we haven't released it yet because um waiting on ryan now not me um no no i approved the re- <laughs> recording if you Dude. look through the messages i approve the recording right, well, we talked about industrial wi-fi really badly um but it it means that with industrial wi-fi um protocols different frequencies and protocols different you know fire mac and stuff like this that possibly that we might actually want tools to be able to uh, allow the engineer like myself and others to kind of divulge into the wireless uh, industrial wireless zigbee wireless heart and all these different protocols but there's not many tools out there for us to kind of yeah. use to troubleshoot and al- analyze and yeah. design for that kind of stuff so uh, and similar similar is a is a new wireless frequencies you know six gigahertz and 60 yeah uh, yeah gigahertz and millimeter waves yeah well let's there's a lot of questions in there so i let ryan shoot first um what he wants to answer yeah um i think i'll start with the 900 we haven't heard a lot of requests and demand recently for the 900 megahertz uh y spy and so it's just sort of been on hold um mainly because we weren't getting a lot of a lot of demand for it but if we if there is more demand out there then we would definitely look at making some more I mean, we we have all the board designs and everything to do it so it wouldn't be that difficult to go and get another manufacturing run of the 900x but definitely we just have to kind of see what the market is today. Because for a while, yeah, there was some of the, the Z-Wave type stuff there, but it wasn't really that that popular. Mm-hmm. Um, everything kind of shifted to the 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi. And so if 900 is getting popular again, we can definitely look at that. On the 6E, <clears throat> now that the FCC has approved the 6 gigahertz spectrum, and that goes way beyond even 7 gigahertz. It's a really wide spectrum. Um, we yeah. have begun looking at that and um, trying to figure out what the development would look like for a Wi-Fi that covers all of that band. Um, so it's definitely something something we've started that process on and it's gonna be 
it's gonna be a little while. And because that band is so wide, and if you go from five gigahertz up to seven point two or seven point three, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and to be able to cover Spectrum Analyzer that like, does all of that band, it's gonna um, price range is gonna be closer probably to um, a couple thousand dollars. Um, but we're looking at how how we could do that and do it more on like the iPad and everything. So it'll be yeah. new design, all new. Let's do all the new, you know, make it work with all the new hardware and everything else. So it'll probably be something more like a Wi-Fi Air where there's a bit more hardware in it and it has a more functionality inside the Wi-Fi embedded that it can then plug into um, a tablet and things like that. So we've we've started tinkering with the design and it's still quite a ways out before we get it. Nice. The other question that was nice. made was about millimeter wave as well, 60 gigahertz. Um, um, is that something that you guys would really be bothered about? I mean, for me, uh, it, I don't think well, it's why. It, I don't think it's going to be why. It's, it's definitely not going to be Wi-Fi wi- technology. It's, it's, it is Wi-Fi. It's eight or two to eleven. Oh, what is it now? It's not But it's not yeah. classified as millimeter wave, is it? That's sixty gigahertz. Yeah. I thought a millimeter wave term was in the kind of telco industry. No, it's just yeah. it's just a tiny wave. What you need is one yeah, of the old no, telescopic antennas, which you know it starts at thirty centimeters. You can make it go all the way, <laughs> and then you've got them all, aren't you? You know, just you stop at two and a half, whatever. You cover them yeah. all. Yep. Um, so one thing with sixty gigahertz is it's it's so hard to do a spectrum analyzer that's up that high, and it's so short range that you shouldn't be getting a lot of interference from other things. And so the cost compared to what it would do for you, it just doesn't make sense for a company like Medigeek. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, 6E, where it's going to be a lot more common, there's going to be more interference there. People are going to deploy it widely. And we can do a device that will get enough volume. We can do it at a price point that would make sense to a lot of people. I, I think the 6E will be pretty pretty good band for us. And okay. it seems like we're hearing a lot of people that are going to move to 6E and are looking at deploying it and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. yeah it'll be exciting nice I, I'm hearing like a lot of people talking about effectively like splitting up that spectrum in kind of two halves because effectively like here in the EU we've only got the, the bottom half of that spectrum so is there plans to maybe kind of go right okay well let's do you know two separate devices let's do one that will work in the EU and everywhere else you know the bottom half of the u.s stuff mm-hmm. and then you know a separate thing that will just do the top half of the u.s stuff you know is that something that you've considered i've always found it quite interesting because you know if you can have a, a radio and an antenna that covers the six gigahertz spectrum which is absolutely massive then to cover five gigahertz plus the eu spectrum you could probably use the same technology and the, the same sort of methodology and just use a five gigahertz radio to cover that top half but when you start talking about the uh, six gig and the uh, US where you've got 1.2 gigahertz or something stupid, then uh, it, it does get more complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it gets to be a really, really wide band. We haven't looked at doing two separate devices. Um, I think it'll kind of depend on what the cost difference is that if you know to cover that top half mm-hmm. compared to the cost of making and manufacturing two different devices and everything. Because a lot of what yeah. we're doing, we're doing small runs of like a thousand units, which for us is a lot. Um, but um, <laughs> but trying to do two different runs would be a lot of money for us to be able to do that. So it, it's usually cheaper if we just do one one big run and make a device that will cover yeah. all of that. And, and yeah, nice. the other thing is you, you can't have six gigahertz without five, can you? Because the way you know 
clients join onto a six gigahertz network, look into the five gigahertz beacon, look at the information element which tells it what the six gigahertz radio is, then it can join the six gig radio instead of scanning all that spectrum. So there's no point of having a six gig spec amp by itself. You might as well have one which can do six and five. Right. So, unless, I guess, you want to sell two sets of spec ands, then, uh, yeah, do two separate ones. <laughs> right, yeah. We're not, yeah. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not talking to Echo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I have your license key, please? Your date of birth and your national insurance number, and I'll answer that question for you. Is that set in stone, Christian, by the way, that the, they have... Yeah, that, you, uh, the clients are allowed to... On five. Clients aren't allowed to probe in 6 gigahertz, at least not in the US. So, you know, you've got this big chunk of spectrum, you can't probe in it. The only way of doing it is informing it via a 5 gigahertz radio. So that means no oh. greenfield 6 gigahertz then? No, I don't mean no greenfield 6 gigahertz. It means that you've got to have 5 at the same time. No, what I mean is you can't have just pure 6 oh, gigahertz no, no, you all won't, over. You won't be able to do that. I have read that. Um, it was. I think my grandma told me, actually. I've got no idea where I read it. This is why she was washing her mouth out with soap. Yeah. No idea at all. Why? Am I wrong? Don't know. Alan. Alan doesn't know. Oh, Alan's right. just yeah. trying to learn. You, you, were like, you were digging into it then. Thinking, oh, it's, it's... Well, the reason I'm asking is just because, you know, um, no, no, nothing's come out yet, have there? There's no official documentation from anywhere in terms of what 60 is, in terms of a standard. That... Well, no, the, Wasn't the it FC's, Chuck... The... Wasn't it Chuck that was saying that? Yeah, the FCC have approved it, so the FCC know how it op- how it can operate. It's like DF- it's, it's not DFS; it's something similar to DFS. Um, is that is that is that actually documented anywhere? Is what I'm getting at? Yeah, in someone's tweet. I'll find it. Can you ask? Can you ask your grandma to write it down and send it to an email at metageek at gmail dot com? <laughs> no, she uh, she doesn't have a computer actually. Um, Right. She, she's, she's dead for a start, so that's, that's a difficult. <laughs> but, um, she might be able, she might be able to send it in the podcast or something. Okay, okay. What, what do you call them? Them them people that talk to the dead? Was it not clairvoyance? It's um, what they call them? Mediums. Mediums. Is, is, yeah, we'll yeah. get mediums to the conversation with. She's the wireless medium. Oh my god. Oh god. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. It's bad. <laughs> so for for all like three or four people that are listening, it'd be great if we could spam MetaGeek's Twitter with we all want nine hundred megahertz spec ends. That's that's what we need to, to do, is it Ryan? Yeah, and, and you want it on Mac, right? Yeah, and on so Mac, how, yeah, obviously. How do, we yeah. Send, how do we send feature requests? Is it just a tweet or do we have to do something? Something different, like talk to the dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's our preferred method: is talk to the dead, talk oh, right, to your okay. grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these Ouija boards. That's what you need. We get a Ouija board. Yeah. And we can kind of just you know go from there. Oh, Shall we move on to cool. another another question? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's let's do another question. All right. Uh, so this one, uh, I won't say who it's from because they announced themselves for a second. Here we go. Hi, Ryan. This is Crystal from Atlanta. I'm currently using Insider and it's working great, but now I need to find none Wi-Fi interferers. Is there something MetaGeek has that would allow me to keep Insider open while also looking for none Wi-Fi interferers? Thanks. All right. That's kind of a softball question. Um, Insider <laughs> supports Wi-Fi. 
And so you can just plug in YSpy into Insider and you can see the spectrum analysis. It'll sweep both bands, 2.5 gigahertz. And so you can be running Insider with your pack analysis going and see the basic spectrum. And then if there is non-Wi-Fi showing up, then you can launch Channelizer and go deeper. Um, so that's what I would suggest doing is just plug in the YSpy, um, have it show up in Insider. And then if it is non-Wi-Fi, then open Channelizer so you can zoom in and look at that specific frequency. And, and you've even Boom. got on your website, haven't you, the, uh, you know, the, the spectral mass, I don't know, the, the antenna, the patterns of non-Wi-Fi interference, so you, you can have a look on the website, or I'm pretty sure when you channelize it, you could even sort of drag and drop, drag the image over it, couldn't you, and display it on the image? Yeah, yeah, Channelizer's got that, and it's got sample recordings of a bunch of common non-Wi-Fi interferers that yeah. you can take a look at and stuff like that, so, yeah. And I think Ekaha was a big chart of a bunch of different non-Wi-Fi, they made a giant poster of it. So, oh, they did, yeah, yeah, they with yeah. their cartoon. I was just gonna say, you said that was an easy question, but we're just we're just warming you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got um another question from Andrew. Andrew McHale, let's go. McSneil. Good evening, Alex, Dave, Kieran, and Brian. It's Andrew McHale here on Mac Wi-Fi. <laughs> Great to hear you back on the air now. The court case has been settled. <laughs> I've got a question for Ryan, who I think you've got in this evening, about the MetaGeek Wireshark colouring profile. I think it's a fantastic tool for people doing um, 80.11 protocol analysis. And I just wondered how it came about, whose idea it was to release it to the community, and if there's any ongoing maintenance maintenance of it as uh, protocol analysis changes with things like 11AX. Um, Have a great show. All right. I'm trying to think who started the Wireshark coloring. I think it might have been Trent Cutler when he worked at MediGeek, and then Joel Crane took it over. Joel enhanced it a lot, and then he made um, profiles for it. And I think we were putting it up on GitHub, and he was going to do a GitHub repo. I don't know yet, but that's the plan: is put up a repo and then do maintenance on it. So Joel would kind of be the owner, but then other people could could kind of help out and help maintain it as an open source kind of project. Nice. So, I mean, I if you're not familiar, all the time. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah. It definitely pops up a lot of good color in there. So, uh, it's basically you know the colors are using IPA, then translated into to Wireshark, and so that all the packets show up. Management is controls purple. Management is orange. No, I have those backwards. <laughs> Data is blue. Management's purple, and control is orange. And there's different shades for different types of packets. So. I um I, I I it's it's the only thing I have parallels on my Mac for is um is is your software and I've got it set up now so that Airtool opens up IPA and then IPA automatically opens up Wireshark. It's quite a nice little flow that that, that goes right. on there. It's uh, it's good. Enjoy and then that. your Wireshark is your Wireshark is on the Mac and not in parallels. Yes. Parallels? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. yeah, no on on the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Ryan, I've I've got, I've got a bit. It's it's not really criticism, but when when one thing that I always found straight when I used IPA was that you couldn't sort of right click and open in Wireshark, or you couldn't drill down into the information elements and and look more into the frames. Um, is that something that's coming, or or at least have a symbolic link between right clicking on the frame and click view info or view more or whatever? Not quite following you. So you want to drill in farther before it goes to Wireshark, or you want? well, yeah, either drilling further within IPA or, you know, just automatically open something in Wireshark from IPA. It might have changed since I haven't used it in a few years, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, it automatically opens IP or opens Wireshark. Wow. So you can drill down, you can put a bunch of filters and time frame and everything. Yeah. And then you can say open in Wireshark. And it opens mm -hmm. the file in Wireshark with a bunch of view filters applied. Yeah. And so we try to match what you're seeing in IPA in Wireshark with those view filters. You fixed it. <laughs> I was gonna say because yeah. that's that that's that's how that's why I find it really useful because it's much easier to filter in IPA than it is in Wireshark. Yes. Uh, yes. So I do all my filtering everything in IPA and then pull it over. It's uh, yeah, mm. works well. Yeah, and the filtering is broken a couple times as Wireshark has evolved and changed. They've changed some of the rules, and so the filters break every once in a while, and we have to fix them and stuff. I think one of the best things you brought up recently is the MCS rates in the recent updates. That to me straight away shows the rate shifting, um, mm -hmm. and I wish I had that months ago because that took a while. Mm -hmm. I had to actually go to Wireshark and apply a filter to to show me that. But now that mm -hmm. I can literally just put some filters in there to show me specific stations um, that I'm interested in, I can filter that, and then I can see all of the data frames see the retries because obviously it flags it with the retry and then I can see the MCS downshifts which is incredible. Yeah, it's pretty nice to be able to go in there and just kind of just skim that table and pop up what's going on MCS. And so, I mean, Wireshark goes so in-depth, but sometimes using that higher level analysis. Yeah. A nice, clean, high level. But I find that if the, the problem I've got with Wireshark is I'm, I'm not very good with protocol analysis. It's always been my weakest point among other things. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but then I find that you can't, sometimes if you don't know what you're looking for, Wireshark is not the application to be using. But the good thing about IPA is that you can go through and you can see at a glance. And then if you think there's something not particularly right, then yeah, maybe you can open it in Wireshark and you can narrow it down that way. I, I find that it's the, the one good tool that you can use to basically just skim over and pick out faults and then investigate mm. from then on. I think that's the best. I don't know how you, how you intended to have the product be used, but for me, that that's what I tell people to use it for yeah. and how yeah, I exactly. use it. I've got, I've got a funny you. story, actually. Um, so when we first started looking at wireless tools, probably about five years ago, um, my manager, uh, he was using Ubiquiti at the time, and they've got a tool on their access points where you can do something similar to uh, IPA. And he goes, "Oh, look at look at this! It's it's brilliant. You can you know do a capture. You can have this uh, lovely visualization of, of how it displays packets and stuff like that." And I said, "I bet there's other other tools that can do it." So I, I had to Google and stuff like that, and I found MetaGeek IPA, and I went, "Look, this looks exactly what you want. Let's uh, let's get a demo. We'll trial it." And he goes, "Oh no." I'm going to bring in my uh, Ubiquiti access point and we're going to set it up so we can do it on the access point. So a couple of days later, it came in with an access point, a PoE injector, um, a Raspberry Pi, uh, loads of power cables and stuff like that. And he goes, look, this is all we need. We just need to bring all these around with us and we can do it exactly <laughs> the same. And we don't have to spend thousands of pounds. But what are you on about? We're going to put them all in a trolley and just wheel it around everywhere whenever we want to use it. Go, yeah, it'd be fine. And it, anyway, after, after about two weeks, we won the argument and we managed to, we managed to get persuade him to buy IPA. But... He, he was convinced that he could just get the access point and all of it and just walk around for, for weeks. In fact, he had he even had a battery with it and stuff like that. You know, it was, it was like reverse AP on a stick. <laughs> wow, that's no, amazing. Um, so on IPA, like how we kind of intend people to use it, um, on the origin of IPA, 
we were learning a little bit about Wi-Fi. I didn't know that much about Wi-Fi either. When I started, I came from like Bluetooth side. And so um, probably 2010, 2011, I went to a SharkFest, which is like the Wireshark kind of user group community um, conference. Went to SharkFest and spent two days watching people use Wireshark and just amazing stories about how they would drill in and find this little thing and find that thing. And I was kind of dumbfounded at how complicated it is and how hard it is to find what's wrong like if you don't know what's wrong how to find it in Wireshark and I was just like struck like there has to be a better way to do this like find where the issue is um and and so IPA basically came out of that where it's like okay Wireshark is great when you know what's wrong and you can go and kind of Mm -hmm. dig in but if you're just hey something's wrong let me kind of figure out what it is it's horrible. And so that's where like, okay, yeah. we need to, so we need something at the beginning of this to give you that kind of high level and hints about where you need to go look. And so that's what IPA is called, you know, is meant for. And that's why we didn't rebuild a lot of that. Let's do bit by bit analysis. We're like Wireshark already has that part. We don't need to redo mm-hmm. that part. Let's make the front part that Wireshark is completely missing. I'll tell you what, we're, we're talking, we're, we're, some, uh, we're talking about protocol analysis and uh, IPA. And we've got a good question now from uh, Yemen which I'm, I'm going to play. Um, Yermund is, is, is a good follower of ours, but he's probably about 4,000 times more technical than all of us put together. Um, <laughs> and I don't think we've ever managed to answer one of his questions on this show. We're last, we usually rely on Peter or someone to have a guest appearance just by chance. So here we go. You ready? Hey, here's the moon from Norway again. IPA and airtime calculation question one. How does IPA... Calculate airtime. Is it based on timestamp stamps or duration values from the radio tap headers or from the duration value in the MAC header or anything else? And are the SIFs included in these airtime calculations? And lastly, how will you do it for Wi-Fi 6 UFDMA frames where clients share airtime? Actually, really. Thank good. you. Actually, really good question, and something we've talked about before. You know, what is airtime? It's it's obviously different for every vendor, and how will airtime change with Wi-Fi six? Um, where you know you've got the different IUs talking at the same time. So uh, go on then, Ryan. Off you go. <laughs> Have fun. All right, just finish your first beer. It's like one beer in, so that my answer sounds intelligent. Okay. Sorry, we missed you. We, 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 you cut up then. Oh, I had to say that again. If you guys have finished at least one beer so that my answer can sound intelligent. <laughs> You've sounded intelligent oh, yeah, since my first I'm... vodka and beer, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can. You're all good. Um, Don't worry. We're about five beers in when we record this. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, so IPA looks at the um, duration. It'll look at... Th- so... For most packets, they don't have the duration value because the duration value is really only when there's a conversation, kind of like the CTS and data. So a lot of packets won't have a duration. Um, and so for those, we just use um, the data rate, the SIFs. And so we basically calculate what the PLCP header is, what the data rate is for the whole packet length, and then the SIFs after that. So the SIFs is included. And then if we do get a duration, we will use that if there's no packets that are filling in that duration. So if you take the typical RTS, CTS data hack, um, if we had the duration in there for like say the CTS and then we missed the data, uh, for example, if you were mm-hmm. doing pack capture like two, two stream, like two by two, 
but the packet was sent with three spatial streams, you wouldn't hear the data packet. And so with that, if we heard the CTS and then we it's quiet and then we hear the ACK, we just fill in that part too. And so we use some of the calculations like that to kind of figure out what the airtime is. And so part of it is data we know, and then sometimes it's data that we infer. Uh, if you look at Insider, and Insider has this little um, table of different frame types we used, if you're doing packet capture, it'll say inferred data. That's what basically that is too. It's like, hey, we heard the RTS CTS quiet ACK, but we're gonna assume there's a data packet in there and it took this much time. And so, yeah, and we use all those calculations and then you have to look at what, um, modulation scheme it was using was in B, G, and AC, and that'll determine a lot of the SIPs lengths and things like that. So it's um it's not super complicated, but it does have to look at a lot of different data points to try to get as accurate information as we can for the airtime. I think that's the most simplistic and most common sense approach to calculating that airtime yeah. if I'm honest. That yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. It's when, something when that everyone can understand. The access point thinks the medium is busy, it's busy, it's airtime been used mm -hmm. that's pretty much that exactly yeah. um the, the second question about ofdma it's going to be complicated <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got there yet because we don't have packet capture for ofdma yet so that'll kind of depend on what kind of packet capture we can get on ofdma and then kind of how we go from there so it is complicated because i mean you can have multiple people transmitting at the same time in that same kind of frame frame window and so uh, i guess my answer right now is i'm not sure and maybe we'll have an answer in six months or a year is that something that we <laughs> the community could help with because we all have or a lot of people have 11x devices now and aps is that something we can help you could you do a, a call to arms if there's something you're looking for with captures yeah, and things if if you give me a lifetime subscription to all your products plus all the hardware, you can <laughs> do packet captures on my access point as much as you want. I'll give you remote control access and everything. You've also got to reply to emails and do my day job, but I think that's a fair deal. Yeah, you got a deal. We'll see that. Cool. Um, I, I think sometimes getting packets on Windows is hard, and so we might have to look at some other platforms and even things like WLAN Pi where there's a little Linux computer that then can plug in. So probably we're gonna go down more of a route like that where we can use a little Linux computer, pull the packets. It's just easier to get packets and different things on sometimes like Linux platform and then have that plug into the Windows computer or the Mac computer. Well, I was gonna say, cause all the Mac development you're gonna be doing, you just use some of the Macs in your office now. Yeah, so if we get a Mac and then Mac can just see the packet captured on the, on AX, then we should be okay. But it's still going to be complicated <laughs> because um, to be able to hear multiple clients on that all transmit the same. So a lot of right now are one, but it isn't capturing all the different streams going on at the same time. Yeah, because that's the, that's the other yeah. that's the other question. I don't think I've seen an answer for. How do you capture a multi IU transmission? You know, if, if there's multiple clients transmitting at the same time, how do you capture that? How do you demodulate all that on and display it in a packet analyzer? Because you can potentially have frames arriving exactly the same time from different clients, couldn't you? Or yeah, I think it'll be difficult. And so uh, it seems like if you're not the access point and not the one that's coordinating all of that, it's gonna be really hard to to put it back together again. I just if you're just a third party yeah. eavesdropping. 
And, and does any of you experience your Bluetooth yeah. help with that? Because obviously with Bluetooth, you've got multiple devices transmitting at the same time on different uh, bits of frequency. Cause it's frequency hopping all the time, isn't it? Yeah, and so sometimes with that too, it gets difficult because then you have to be monitoring all the different Bluetooth channels. And so if you want to actually capture multiple Bluetooth conversations at the same time, you have to have a lot of different Bluetooth radios to be able to capture all the different channels. Yeah. Do, you want to move, do you want to move on to the next difficult question? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, 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 while we're recovering from that, yeah, let's uh, let's hear the next one. Okay. IPA and airtime calculation question two. A handful of available and unused airtime is actually a part of the contention process and the station must do before it sends traffic, both AP and clients. Contention process is the diffs, IFS, and contention window. Have you considered to visualize this in some kind of method? Maybe by setting a fixed average value for the contention duration and tie it together with the station which send the next frame or something like that. Thank you. That's um, what we do, a lot of silence after Gurman asks us a question. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I'm still quiet uh, from the first question. So I think his question is, have we considered it? I'm going to go with, no, we haven't. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we say. Moving no. on. <laughs> uh, good question. So, 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 yeah, Ryan, I did post it in the chat if you want to, if you want to read it. Oh, I did. I, re I just yeah. read it twice. You probably saw my face looking at like, what does that mean? Um, I guess my main question would be like, I'm not sure what he would be using it for. And so what are we trying to, what problem are we trying to solve with that visualization? And I don't know the answer mm -hmm. to that. I think it goes back to, you know, what uh, his previous question and, and kind of what I said in response, a lot of the conversation in wireless is just dead air. And that's mm -hmm. either contending or waiting for a response and all that kind of stuff and is is that dead air where nothing's transmitting it's just being used as part of contention as part of it being uh, you know a contending medium or or not is that is that displayed i think you answered yes before yeah so i mean as far as like the turnaround right after packet we're measuring that but then if there's dead air we're not doing to display that or if there was yeah more of a contention i think it could be interesting if we could display a little more on the contention side um, some of that time that's used there, but is is how you calculate airtime actually documented anywhere? Because one of the problems we have is you know we look at all the different vendors, they all measure it in slightly mm -hmm. different ways, and, and not not yeah. uh, tool and vendors, yeah. sorry, but client vendors, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. nobody actually knows what it means. And to be honest with you, a lot of them are quite um, the 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 change term terminology and don't use it correctly between airtime and channel mm -hmm. utilization and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always think, you know, it's I, I know some of it is proprietary and, and all that, but if it's documented, it'll help understand the problem a little bit better and help you get a workout. Yeah, at least at least gives you a reference point, doesn't it? To exactly, go, exactly, yeah. Well, yeah. I, if I can tell what that's telling me. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great idea. It's We should put together like a blog post or something kind of explaining, here's the calculation, how we're doing it. So I think yeah. it's a great idea. And that, that's all the... <laughs> that's all the audio <laughs> questions we had. We did uh, we did we did have one on Twitter as well. Sorry, I'm slurring my words now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, one from uh, Paul Rima. Rima, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but um, the question is: Is there any plan to support a client profiling feature? Um, you know, you mentioned Wireless Lampi and Wi-Fi and I just put together a client profiling feature where it just listens to clients probing uh, and associating and all that kind of stuff and collects the metrics to say what it supports. Um, I guess Paul's question is, is that something you've ever considered putting into IPA, you know, perhaps as a supplementary um, visualization? In, or in, or in, in, into, into the Y-Spy Air. It would yeah, be yeah. great to have a, a, a profiler built into that. Mm -hmm. um, so we have some stuff in Insider. And if Insider hears an association request, it'll show you here's the here's the capabilities, what it's supporting, and everything like that. And so Insider is probably the closest we have right now as far as profiling client. You can also once you drill down to a client, it'll kind of just monitor that client, and so you can see um, signal strength. It's easy to go to go and locate the client, and then also show you some capabilities if it gets the association request. I have, um, that's probably the closest that we have. I have noticed that it is it is pretty good because, like you say, once it once you drill into that, you can see, because if you remember, Dan, we uh, we looked at this yeah. and uh, yeah. I captured my um, iPhone 11 on an EX and it said that it only had um, one spatial stream. Can you remember? Yeah. And then after a couple of packets of capturing, it then it updated up. that and then picked up yeah. its airtime utilization as well. Yeah. So that that version that you showed me, Ryan, you said that that was, was in beta. Real Ryan if that's that's in beta when when do, when do we get to see this it's actually a it's a it's available um it's also in the pro level so there's okay. an expert that's in beta that we've tinkered with but all of that is also in pro level that is available today okay and then and so that's just a subscription with you guys it's a subscription and we just did after covid-19 started we did a giant crush corona sale at 50 percent off mm-hmm and I, we ended the sale, but I think we said to keep the first year of subscription at that 50% off. And so well, instead of being $200 a year, it's $100 a year for the first year pro. Yeah, I, th I think Insider is a great tool. And so we've tried to tried to push a lot of functionality into Insider and get people into that subscription and try it out and realize that there's a lot of functionality in Insider that wasn't there before. The, the, so. I must admit, it's one of the only subscriptions that I am happy to subscribe to. Because I feel that the, I think we all know which one I'm talking about that I, I don't particularly like. I have voiced my concerns about it before, and this is not the platform. But um, I feel that you get a lot of value. I think money. it absolutely so think, is the platform, Ryan. Go on, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> well, we all know that I am not a fan of the Ekahau Connect subscription. You pay thousands of pounds for what I would class as functionality that should be available anyway, you know, packet capture. Why why should I have to that, pay that, that to capture me. packets? Yeah. Um, that, that to me is utter bollocks. Um, I can do that natively with MetaGeek products and other products, and they're all built in for one price. The MetaGeek subscription and the fact that with Inside it, I'm not just getting a couple of, well, UI changes. I'm getting actual functionality. Like I said, the expert level of Insider has completely changed it for me. <laughs> it's not just a... Insider used to be for me just something I used to check quickly, SSIDs, channel widths, available networks. It, it was it's neglected not for a bit, wasn't it? Up until it, it a couple really of years ago, it was neglected a bit. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of neglected. It was our kind of 
free low end thing and it was we weren't making any money on it so like well let's focus elsewhere um but then i started tinkering around I'm like i want packets and insider we could do so much with packets and insider and we had um pretty low cost pack packet capture adapters available it's so like let's do this and so last spring i just bit the bullet i'm like you guys i'm gonna take two months off stop doing all my other work and i'm just gonna make this happen and we we made it happen and it's been awesome ever since then kind of like what we can do in insider so dan have you have you got metageek care metacare or meta plus or whatever it's called now uh i don't but so you need I, to get that i probably will yeah yeah it, it 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 i'm gonna say it to everybody um i don't often give these sort of feet the level of review but it's generally <laughs> worth it if you've got the suite of products just get it because it is phenomenal and you won't you won't get anything better to be honest yeah nice so what, what what's the what's the the best way to get that do you, you just log into your my metageek account and sign up basically yep if you like your my metageek account there should be a button or a little blurb somewhere for it and you want the nice. metageek plus pro level the pro plus level pro has all the packet level. capture um and stuff that you guys want and, and can Great. people yeah. trial trial it can you download a trial version or um so the base insider is free yeah. and it just won't have the packet capture ability um, if you have a supported packet capture adapter, which is any of the ones that work in IPA, then you can trial just the MIDI plus level. I don't think we have a trial turned on for the pro level yet. Okay. Um, but the plus level then has some basic packet capture. It doesn't have all the, it doesn't have like the IP type visualizations and stuff in there. I'll, um, I'll add something into that. So for those people out there who require the likes of purchase orders and don't do credit card purchases and need things like that, open reality in the UK um resell metageek products so you can go to them get a quote and do purchase orders and things to get that if you if you need a po too on a subscription you can contact us and we can we have oh, some yeah, back-end ways that. that we can make it work yeah so thank you so, uh, there's another question uh, so i've got one myself that i want to ask um but there's one and it's it's a very close relative of mine uh, alan's asking me to play it just because it's funny uh, but it's a it's a, a question you've answered already, um, so I'm just going to play it. Um, hopefully, uh, you can understand the thick accent. <clears throat> Hello, my uh, my name is Pierre Robert. Uh, I am uh, just uh, wondering if uh, MetaGeek will ever come to Mac OS. <laughs> merci, merci beaucoup. I've broken out again. <laughs> that is all. That is awful. <laughs> Sorry um, about yes, like... I think the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the, an the answer is we, we, we. Yes, we, we, we. So, so my question, not Pierre's, is um, a lot of your competitors are obviously in the survey space. Have you ever considered into the move into that space, or are you just focused on troubleshoot the troubleshooting tools that you've got? Yeah, Tamograph, Tamograph works great. And um, we've, in the past, just kind of partnered with some of the survey. We, I mean, I kind of used to resell Wise by DBX. I think they still do. Um, we're not as, we're not as tight as we used to be with Ekao. Um But for a lot of what we've done, it, it just seemed like the other people have survey dialed in pretty good. And so I don't necessarily want to recreate that wheel. There's other areas that we can focus on for, like I said, troubleshooting, um, and some other 
sides of Wi-Fi management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, diving more into what we've been doing with Insider with live packets, what we can do with IPA, that Wireshark is missing, OmniPeak is missing. So I don't think we're going to get into a real site survey, but we might get into some ways where, like we have right now, um, Insider can take snapshots of your network, and then we can view some of that in our cloud in MindMindGeek. And we might have more of a like a floor plan showing up in there, but I don't see us really getting into full-on site survey. So, what is your relationship with Tamograph then? Because obviously, I've just been <clears throat> sat back listening to you guys talk about your troubleshooting um, tools and analysis mm-hmm. tools and etc. But in terms of your survey tools, then um, obviously, you know, MetaGeek advertising Tamograph as a product, and obviously, that's a different set of development guys and different company altogether. But do you have a relationship with them where? Uh, you plug in some of your tools, uh, products into the, the their, their, their Tamograph survey to kind of work together to dovetail to enhance some features, that kind of stuff. Can you kind of share with you know share with us what that is, that relationship yeah. that you have with them? Um, it's kind of an interesting relationship because we we both kind of sell to each other. Um, you can plug in Wise by DBX into Tamograph, and you can pull the Spectrum data in that way. And so Tamograph fully supports Wi-Fi DBX, and they actually sell a version on their website with the Wi-Fi DBX as part of that. And then um, we're actually getting our packet capture drivers from them. They already had it for ComView, and so we reached out to them and said, hey, you guys use for ComView. Can we, can we work with you? And so we have agreements back and forth. And so we're just kind of, um, I don't, we don't really compete directly against each other, and so our tools complement each other fairly well, and we just kind of work together and and kind of buy and resell each other's tools. Cool. And and, and also, obviously, um, you touched on the relationship that you had with Echohow. I mean, I remember when I kind of moved from a previous survey tool to Echohow product, there was no sidekick back then. It was USB NICs at the end of the day. Eh? The device by DBX as well, wasn't it? That's where yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's what mm-hmm. I was kind of going with, going to. That, that's kind of the tool of use, uh, the, the product of use that we integrated well with Echo to provide, you know, the spectrum analysis type of stuff. Um, was that something that you guys expected them to do in terms of you expected them to develop their own product, bring in their own spectrum analysis? Or was that for you something that was like, dude, what are you doing? Come on, man. Because, you know, them being you know such a prominent Wi-Fi survey tool in, in our market that they were selling a ton load of licenses that, you know, you guys would have been selling <laughs> on the coattails of that. Was that something that you kind of stood back and went, you know, thanks. Were you aware of what they were planning to do or was it kind of, you know, business at the end of the day? Can you kind of share some light on that? I'm just curious to know how that kind of went from your perspective. Can I just go with a no comment on that one? Really? <laughs> is that enough of a comment? This, 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 isn't, this isn't the platform to allow no comments. Um, we, no, nobody we, listens. We, nobody listens. Honestly, <laughs> let's only, say Kieran, was, um, only Christian's grandma anyway. It was... Not anymore. It was unexpected. And um, yeah, it was, it was an unexpected move on their part from us. They didn't really give us any sign that that's what they were going to go do. They had talked to us about wanting more higher resolution, some of those things in it. Um, but we had no idea what they were going to do. And so we watched that announcement when they announced the sidekick, yeah. just like everybody else went, oh, that's what they've been doing. Okay, that's interesting. Does that mean now that the latest iterations of Echohow no longer would work with your products is that is that pretty much it you guys have been completely cut off that the only thing that will work with an echo house survey pro in version whatever 10 it is now 10.2 i think does that mean that you couldn't plug in um you know 
Y-Spy or anything I, like that, or DBX? I honestly don't know. When they first announced the, the sidekick and... You can? Good. Um, they were having trouble manufacturing the sidekick enough, and so they were still selling a fair amount of, of Y-Spy. And even now, sidekick is so expensive that there's still some customers that don't want to get it. Um, so I think that there's... Still, I, I think they're still reselling the widespread DBX just in pretty low volumes. Yeah, I think well, you touched on it before where uh, Alan asked if you were going to become a survey house and you're not, you're going to stay where you are in the, in the troubleshooting tool. Exactly. I think that's exactly the right way to look at it. And for me, Psychic is a survey tool with some added benefits. So if you do a lot of surveys, then the Psychic is, is worth it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to save you a lot of time. It's a lot of hassle. As a troubleshooting and diagnostic tool, it's a lot. Not... It's a lot of faff for troubleshooting and the, yeah, the it's sidekick. a bit clunky. It's convoluted. Yeah. I don't use it to be honest. And people say, "Oh, what about the resolution?" Well, interference is interference. What for? Whichever way yeah. you look at it, um, <laughs> yeah. if someone is splatting out across all of your channels, you're going to see that on a sidekick. You're going to see it on a DBX. Fucking hell, Christian's grandma can feel the interference. Right. Oh, so, <laughs> Leave off so, the dead grandma. Come on. I'm going to say it, but she she only died two months ago. You brought up, <laughs> Chris. Wow. I'm not joking. <laughs> so, oh, my, my wife the, and my mum are going to kill me. Fucking hell. The, the psychic <laughs> is just not worth the money. In terms of if you're going to use it primarily as a troubleshooting tool, just for and I think mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of people do that. They they, they take it um, to basically a site who's got Wi-Fi issues, and all of a sudden they instantly start the spectrum analyzer up. And I think even the software and everything is it's just not the right thing. And that's why for me, always is the MetaGeek suite of tools, and I keep mm. Echo as a survey product. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because it's the right tool for the right job, and yeah. I think you've it, it's bang on where it is. So, so Ryan, c- coming from macOS, obviously I I use Adrian's tools. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I I'm aware that the DBX works in Wi-Fi Explorer Pro. Was that something that you worked with him on, or did how how did that come about? Um, we worked with him a little bit on that. We've over the years we've had a number of different people request access to the Wi-Fi DBX. Some of it for like manufacturing, and they want like they're, they're manufacturing some device, and so they want to use the Wi-Fi DBX sort of on their manufacturing line to make sure that it's transmitting, okay, or random things like that. And so we've had different people say, "Hey, can we get access to the to the Wi-Fi API?" And Adrian was one of those people that came to us and said, "Hey, can I get access to the Wi-Fi API?" At the time, I didn't really know much about Adrian and what he was doing. This was quite a few years ago. Um, and so he did come to us. We didn't really work very closely with him on that. Um, but, you know, it were, you know, people buy Wi-Fi to use with Wi-Fi Explorer Pro. You know, I'm mm-hmm. good with that. Um, so we do want to get more on the Mac platform once we do that. Definitely would rather people bought our software than his. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Adrian, Adrian does, does some good stuff. He's a sharp guy. He's really nice, and he does good good products. So, you know, yeah. If if he wants to add support for our tools in in there, I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I so I, I've got a DBX and I've got a Y Spy Air. I noticed that my DBX does work, but my Y Spy Air doesn't. 
is mm. is that something that that could come or is it like no 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 that's we're, we're keeping the air for our apps mm-hmm. um the air's got a completely different library to connect to it um i don't see us opening it up much we we have it been in discussion with tamagraph and so tamagraph might get some support for it um, but it'll definitely be more limited support than um, the wise 50 has as far as third-party tools aren't they, aren't they the same thing the in air in the dbx well as in the dbx is isn't it kind of um plugged into to work on a, a laptop rather than the, the the air is more for ios small handheld iphone yeah Android um, devices, right? we've and which yeah, explorer pro doesn't support does it um, this is sorry this is a question to dan actually um no no yeah, yeah D- no so it's a dbx and explorer pro isn't it yeah, yeah, yes, which, the GBX, but, the, but the Air, GBX but the Wise by Air isn't. It's more for your iPhone, your Android devices. IOS, yeah. No, but Wise by Air works on Windows. Oh, okay, right. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah, we recently added support in Channelizer for Wise by Air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if, that's cool. if, if that you, works you, nicely. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. yeah, if you spend the money for the Wise by Air, let's have it work on as many platforms as we can. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean that's a good business model. But I guess for me, I always saw insider um is very similar to uh explorer if i'm honest um yes. they're, they're very similar they're, 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 adrian's is cheaper <laughs> so adrian's is the one i'm going to use <laughs> you know I'll, I'll be honest with you that, that, that money talks so yep. uh and it can do just as much so i guess you know have you compared the two against what adrian's offers because everyone pushes adrian because he's a one-man band effectively compared to you guys obviously right. you know you're a company you've been going for 15 years and you have other products so just guess... Adrian. It's just uh, it's just Ryan in his car. <laughs> so... yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't have an office. <laughs> <laughs> He's sponging free Wi-Fi off. The... <laughs> I guess you can see Adrian as being you 15 years ago when you came up with the idea of selling the Y-Spice, right? And here he is trying to develop his own platform and, and do his thing to become what Medicaid guy, you know, a kind of, you know, a multi-million pound business, right? Because if you can afford a yeah, Q7, it... you must be earning some bucks, dude. So, <laughs> so I guess, do you ever kind of um, look at the way Adrian's doing his thing and think, you know, um, our insider is, is, you know, the same thing almost. And do you feel that competition is healthy, um, but you don't want to kind of drown him out? Or do you feel that there's enough room for, for you and him in this market that if you develop tools for the Mac OS platform, that you're not going to eat into his revenue um that kind of thing because what what i like to see is the big is the little guys take on the big guys i, I really do think mm-hmm. you know because it benefits yeah. you know us as engineers to kind of reap the rewards and and you know mm-hmm. the, the, the the cost fight that kind of ensues for you what, what's yeah. your kind of opinion on you know how you get as the guy in charge balance and balance that decision about you know having not trample over competition like echo house sort of said nah fuck you we're going to do what we want you clearly don't take that attitude you're more of a chilled out pragmatic guy who can kind of say that i started as adrian did i want him to succeed and the fact that you're working together and everything else but i guess for me from a business perspective how does it how does it work for you when you say well i want insider to kind of be much more be better but it might mean that you sort of like you know take on this someone like adrian um you well, know you i don't know capitalism yeah <laughs> yeah i mean exactly it's some good capitalism there um i i definitely would rather you know us adrian some of the tools take on the bigger guys right yeah um and i think that there is enough room in there and innovation to to kind of carry out different niches 
for for MediGeek and for Adrian and, and kind of see. And if we get onto Mac, and as we get more and more into Mac and stuff, I think there's still plenty of room for him and for his tools. He has some features in his stuff that we probably won't put in. I'm like, he is showing some of the stuff from Wireshark where you can like parse every single field in a, mm-hmm. in a beacon. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that, but he's got it. That's cool. Um, and so probably, um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go head to head against Adrian, but we'll probably kind of bump shoulders as we're competing. And I'd rather that kind of thing where mm-hmm. he's innovating, we're innovating, um, we're friendly. And I would rather gun after the, you know, more like the Eka House and the um, Ubiquity and some of what those what those guys are doing. Mm-hmm. So competition is good, right? competition is healthy, and let's face it, there's enough yeah. shite for everybody. Quite frankly, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think I think it's pretty good that that's the mindset. So I, I do have another question for you. Um, so I see right, we're, and, we're out of time. Nah, bollocks. <laughs> ding, ding. I'm asking, do you know what it is? This, I very rarely get asked many, and this is this is my time. But <laughs> the I've seen a while ago, and I've used it, is that you can obviously link uh, MetaGeek products with the WLAMPI. Um, mm. Now, I think that's brilliant that you can use your software not just with your hardware. You, you're interoperable with, with other bits, which is really good. Um Given the fact that the WLAMPI doesn't do spectrum analysis, do you think having the ability to use a DBX in Channelizer and being able to offload the data to a WLAMPI server so that you can run the stats in, because people are doing all these wonderful custom dashboards now, um, to be able to use um, a DBX as a remote sensor to the remote WLAMPI, if that makes sense, because I think that would be some really, really useful data. Spec on on Wi-Path. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously you can't you can't do that with the NICs that we use in the WLAMPI. So the, the, why there, is, use a there is a hack sensor? if you if you use a Mac you can use some remote USB software, but on Windows that's not available, Ryan, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, the WMPI is pretty cool, and so far we've just sort of tinkered with it. And there, there's some basic support in Insider. We've done some support in IPA to be able to kind of launch it and stuff. Um, but it's so far it's been kind of at the tinkering level, and I hope that we can do more in something like WMPI. Um, they've done some great stuff in there, and it's still pretty technical to really get in there and, and use it for a lot of the stuff that you could use it for. And so we've pondered maybe we can even package something like a WNPI up and sell it. Um, and so we haven't really gone down the road yet, but it's a thought that we've had sort of like, mm-hmm. can we do something that's like a remote sensor for troubleshooting for 24 seven monitoring? And it would look something like a WNPI. I would like to have it integrated Wi-Fi in there and not have all these dongles hanging off of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and even have that as part of your, your pro tier, mm-hmm. you know, things so, so that, that that's unlocked, you know, you get access to that through through that subscription because obviously you're going to need yeah. something there to link all that stuff together so but yeah i mean that that would be amazing you know if i could go to a if i could go to a client site drop off a bunch of relatively inexpensive sensors there for a, for a week or two um and just get a real good you know idea you know so again using those snapshots that you've got where i can be like right okay you know in this room bang i'm going to stick this and then i can go back through and have a look at 
what's going on that'd be that'd be really sweet yeah and it seems like what they have right now with Dublin Pi and how you can bolt different things together with Splunk different things it's kind of like we're using the ubiquity AP with the battery and all this other stuff right I mean <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah, work yeah. but it's kind of convoluted and everything so if we could package yep. that as a nice simple application right where you, yeah you should you drop in this little sensor boom you can get all the remote, remote troubleshooting data you it, need it, it works really well and wi-fi nigel I've, I've helped not helped i've done nothing i've just tested but uh, nigel's about <laughs> to bring out a new version where it makes it a lot simpler um, and he's even built in grafana now um and if you, you can even get nice. it to use grafana on the Wireless Lampire or the Raspberry Pi. And I think it's great stuff. I absolutely love sensors. But I am I am going to move us on. We've got a question that's just come in in the past sort of 20 minutes, and well, I haven't listened to it. While we're on the air. Yeah, I haven't listened oh, to it. You I have no listened. idea what it says. <laughs> it's um, not a video of people with their uh, clothes off, is it? Let's, let's, let's piss them off by announcing the winners first, and then they'll be like, oh, we're really sorry. Your message didn't get added into the uh, pot of uh, the drawer. So go on, Chris. Go for it. Go on. Go on, what? Play the question. <laughs> play, play the question, mate. That's, that's, that's what, what, go, that's that's what right. go for it means. I'm a professional. <laughs> hey, this is Darius Lee. Um, my business is Catjacks LLC. Uh, I started my business to provide uh, home network services, uh, repair services for homeowners, um, you know, just to fill the gap that the uh, ISP usually doesn't fill. Um, I was just wanting to know, what do you think? Um, I started this maybe four years ago. It was very slow. Uh, but um, ever since Corona happened, I've been very, very busy. Everyone's worked from home and then also their kids are at home. So the networks are being hammered. Um, and just upgrading the speed isn't good enough. You need, you know, updated routers. You need wire connections. You need the gig connections for downloading large files. Um, it's just so much. So I just want to know, what do you think the future of that niche? Um, will I have competition? Will there be more people um, entering my field? Um, I'm just a, a network tech that just loves <laughs> dealing with the Internet of Things, mountain TVs, and all types. It gets cut off after a minute, so uh, obviously I don't know <laughs> the rest of it is. <laughs> I don't think you realized. Yeah, to be honest with you, it's, it's a good question. And, and mm -hmm. just thinking back, you've mentioned you're, you're going to get into that market a little bit. Um, a few times and we haven't really probed um, so here's your probe what's going on yeah um, so when we started 2020 we said hey let's let's go more into the home market and we were kind of tinkering there and then when COVID-19 hit all of our sales to people that are doing Wi-Fi in classrooms and hospitals and restaurants and football stadiums and all of the places that are no longer open business just stopped <laughs> I mean it was like it was crickets um Meanwhile, our web traffic has doubled because everybody's like, how do I fix my Wi-Fi? What is slow Wi-Fi? Um, and so we've, we've been pushing more towards that home market. And I've been doing a bunch of interviews to try to understand how people are using their home Wi-Fi, especially for people that are working from home. And one thing that he mentioned is kind of with, with the kids and everything else online. It's fascinating. In my interviews, there's two sets of people. There's one set where they don't have kids and the internet's fine. And there's a set they have the kids <laughs> You know, both parents are trying to do the work from home on Zoom calls, and the kids are also on their Google Meets or they're watching Netflix, and the internet is crap. Like, there's just black and white between these, these two groups of people. So as soon as there's three or four people at home and you're all trying to share the internet, there are problems. Um, 
and it you know wi-fi isn't at home isn't just like hey i'm gonna watch my netflix on the weekend and it's all cool all of a sudden when it's like this is my work and this is school and this is everything mm. for everybody in the family okay now it's getting becoming critical um and so we're trying to figure out tools that will work for home users to help them understand their wi-fi what they could do to improve the wi-fi and some simple how-to videos if the wi-fi can't be improved are there ways you can reduce the bandwidth needs um of some of the different tools and so I think that there's, this is going to be a market that's going to continue to grow on the sort of critical home Wi-Fi. And I think he said, is he going to see more competition? I think the answer is yes, because I think there's going to be a lot more need for that as more people work from home, remote work. Um, you know, there's a good chance that schools will be at least partially online or more kids will be doing online learning in the fall than it ever mm -hmm. has been before. And so all of those um, increase the need for good Wi-Fi and good network networking at home. So that's what we're kind of moving towards, trying to do more to help that to help that market. And I think that what he's doing is great. And I think also see more competition, but it'll be a larger market. And so I don't think he's gonna have to worry about like losing business. We're all we're all quite passionate about home Wi-Fi. This is this has been a topic of many podcasts before, hasn't it, Alan? <laughs> yeah, it is. I guess the question I have though, and, and obviously coming from the US market. Um, how how do you see people making money out of home Wi-Fi? Because you can charge in industry like um, classrooms and you know hospitals because they're an enterprise institution, they've got money. But then how do you make money by kind of you know charging everyday Joe who says I've got a problem with my my home Wi-Fi because yeah I've got my kids at home they're on Netflix. I'm, me and my wife have to work from home because of COVID. We've got to attend Zoom meetings. But how do you justify a business case for as far as your, you know, your opinion on this would be great in terms of the U.S. market, right? How would you, how do you get, how, how do you kind of make money out of that? How does this guy that, that's just been on, JJ, I think, what was his name? I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. Um, how does he kind of move around making money? Because everyday Joe's not going to want to pay what schools and healthcare want to pay. They don't want to kind of sit there and say, how much? I'm not spending $150 on someone because he's got to see a return of investment because he's bought all the Medigeek tools to you know, help him troubleshoot their problems. And it's like, well, how does, how does someone like that make money where America's a lot bigger? So mm -hmm. traveling's further, time's, you know, billable at the end of the day, mm -hmm. fuel, that kind of stuff. Uh, in the UK, it's a different market, it's a smaller country, but who wants to kind of go from one house to the next and deal with awkward people who just want to charge or just want to pay, you know, 50 bucks, so to speak. How, how does it even work in the home industry where the, the expectation is so high, but the cost is, or the, the price that they want to pay is so low? Mm -hmm. it, it, it was Darius, by the way. Not JJ. <laughs> no. <laughs> no idea, obviously I've been drinking way too much of this C word. C bomb, <laughs> sorry. C bomb. Um, it's, it's a great question. And I think it is going to be a challenge. And we're even looking at like, okay, how do we, how do we price for this market? And one thing we're looking at in that market that's really price sensitive is teachers. There's 5 million mm. K-12 and secondary teachers in the United States. And so if you look at, okay, if some of them are teaching from home, you know, how big is that market? But we're looking at teachers. They don't have great internet. They don't have top line equipment. They're smart, but they're not like tech savvy. And then how much are they willing to pay? And it's not a lot, but it, they have need. And so we're playing in that market to see what we can do. Um, I think for people like Darius, it's going to be the higher end homes that are large, you know, three, 4,000 square foot homes where, yeah, you could throw in even like an Eero mesh system, but it may still not work quite all the way. You might still have some problems 
um, I think the higher end homes is going to be a bigger, better fit for people like Darius because they're willing to to probably pay out some money to have somebody just come in and fix it for them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, I, well, I'd like so, so you, are your tools going to be aimed more at kind of like DIY, try and kind of like show people how to fix it themselves? Is that is that the kind of thing you're looking at? A little bit of that, um, how to yeah, how to fix it yourself, um, and we have to price it low enough that it's like, okay, do you want to go buy the new Euro mesh system, or do you want to get this thing from MediGeek that will that might help me? You know, so we're looking at like ten, twenty dollars. Yeah. Um, that, mm -hmm. kind of, that kind of price range and so it's got to be software only yeah some simple how to's and we're putting in some throughput testing into there as well so it'll check your wi-fi loop throughput test and kind of get as much information as we can to say okay you're good or here's two things that you can do to go to go make it better mm -hmm. nice. how, much, how much kind of conversation and involvement do you have with the isps over in the us do you personally have in terms of arming the air, their engineers because let's face it when someone's got a problem with their home Wi-Fi, typically the best person to resolve that problem is the ISP provider, right? They're the ones that could send the engineers out because if, if my Wi-Fi doesn't work or my internet breaks, well, there's a monthly subscription or a monthly fee. They're under contract SLA. They're the great, they're, they're great. They're the perfect people to come in and do this. Now, for me, I find that when I call out our local engineers, they're, they're useless. They really are useless. They don't actually have the knowledge and they don't actually have the tools. And I'm thinking, well, what do you guys think from Medigeek's perspective? What about arming the ISPs with your tools to go out there for their engineers to go out to the, the home users to fix the problems and say, have you thought about kind of approaching them and say, look, you know, we've got an array of tools. We can give you free training. Um, you know, you buy all of this and you make great sales, but the, you know, there are, there aren't better to help resolve the, the, the home market's problem. Yeah. Um, we have some, some decent relationships with a few of them. Um, Sparklight used to be cable one and tell us up in Canada, they have a lot of technicians with our tools. Um, We've talked to Cox, Comcast, and I think they have some tools, but not a lot of them. Uh, and I agree with you, even technicians here, like they, most of them don't have the right tools and don't understand Wi-Fi. Like they can get that <laughs> cable or the DSL in your house, awesome. But then as soon as it goes to Wi-Fi, they're clueless and they don't have tools to even yeah. show anything either. Um, and so that's yeah. definitely something we've looked into. And also for them, it's expensive to go roll that truck. So if we had tools that their customers could, could use and get some information without them having to roll the truck, um, that could also mm -hmm. be beneficial. And so we've talked to them, but you know, we're a small company and they are huge behemoths and they tend to move really slow and you have to meet with this senior, you know, senior VP and then this one and this one and that one. And it's meeting after meeting after meeting and a company our size is not really compatible with that kind of sales cycle where it's two or three years to get the sale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Understood. Yeah, yeah. So great. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. As part of all of this, Ryan, um, we uh, you kindly offered some some swag for the questions for for our listeners. I'm a little bit disappointed because again, all of this swag's going out and not coming into me. You know, I I would sport. I I tell you what, never mind looking like Matt Stalin or anyone like that posing in caps, right? I, I would pull off a MetaGeek t-shirt. You would have endless <laughs> amounts of sales with my body in a MetaGeek t-shirt. Wait, it, it, would, it would take you a while to pull that t-shirt off of your size, mate. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'd just rip it off. 
Um, so, w- if would you would you like to choose the two winners, or would you like us to do it for you? Would you like to um, choose two people? Yeah, I'll go for two. Um, go on then. Okay, yeah. I'm, oh, let's go with Carol. Um, yep, Crystal. Crystal, Crystal, Crystal. Um, <laughs> because the rest of all of this is all men, and so it's great for to have a female voice in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I'm torn. Maybe I'll let you choose. I'm torn between Gearman because he had some pretty technical questions, and then Darius, who had a pretty insightful question at the end. And so I'll give those two. Um, why don't you pick flip a coin between those two? Oh, we should just go with Darius because Gearman won last time. Okay, he did. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Let, let's be honest, let's not give him everything because yeah. it's just unfair. But um, I, I thought yeah. Fernay's question was the best, personally. <laughs> and um, yeah. I'll, I'm, a, I'm a large Ryan in t-shirts. Okay. okay. <laughs> don't, don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. You, you missed the double X off there. You've been, you've been in lockdown too long, Ryan. You're in, there's, a, there's a couple of X's before that L. <laughs> the amount of biscuits you eat before we go live, Ryan. No I've, had, I've, I've had half a pack while we've been on air. <laughs> <laughs> right, just, just just a quick one. One last question I want to ask before before the uh, the bell rings. Um, you recently, I think, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you were CEO and you stepped back down to CTO to get more involved in the uh, technology side of things. Um, if, if I'm wrong with that, just jump in. But how, how did you find that? And are you preferring what you're doing now to what you were doing before? Um, yeah, so um, I, I told you the kind of origin of MetaGeek and it was it was me tinkering and everything. And as it grew, um, I was sort of like the CEO. And at one point, I think we had 35 employees and all my time was just sort of being CEO and managing people and in meetings. And it, it kind of drained me. And so I think it's been about two years now um i asked brian tuttle who was he was the buddy that i hired at the beginning to talk to him into joining me so he's been nice. with me at medgeek since 2006. um i said hey brian i'm not good at all this people stuff and you are great at people stuff i want to go be an engineer again and so we kind of swapped roles and now i basically am kind of cto um, kind of like mad scientist too kind of mixed in there <laughs> and so most of my time is tinkering and trying new projects and things like that. And it's so much better. I, so you I, get to do all the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, I can do the fun stuff and he can deal with all the, the people and the contracts and all that stuff. So yeah. It, I don't, it, I don't it like people move. either. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't like you. Um, nice. Two yeah, so like said, then. Um, you mentioned earlier, like kind of inside was stalled. We, I feel like we kind of were stalled overall, MediGeek was. And then when I jumped back in the product side and kind of got my hands dirty again, I think we started moving forward and got a little bit more vision on the, the product side. Um, and then Brian's been doing a great job managing more of the company organization type stuff. So it was better for both of us. I think we're both much happier. And you've, you've got some good UI people at MetaGeek. Your UIs are always really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have a couple of good, good UI people we work with. Yeah. UI is my thing. I like UI. I did. I did a degree in in interaction design, so wow. I like um, UX, no. UI stuff. Nice. Uh, maybe. <laughs> no, didn't know that about you. Yeah, I've got. I got a, a interaction design degree and a theology degree. So there you go. Theology. I got. It's quite I got a U. I got a U in actually. The stu- study of God. Oh, really? Theology. 
Yeah, it's like what Devin's done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ryan, thanks very much for uh, for coming to the pub this yes. evening. It's been a pleasure thanks having you. Me. Absolutely. Yeah. Cheers, Can I, yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant that you've come on and the honesty as well. You've been quite yeah. unplugged um, and quite honest about things and this is the platform that we, we hope that vendors can come on and it isn't the well it is though isn't it because it's we, we hope that people can come on here and just they don't have to tour the party line or they don't have to be as uh, PR related do, do you know what I mean we, we, we want we want the unplugged version and this is this is definitely capture that so thank you very much yeah um... thanks for having me oh thanks Ryan it's been a pleasure it's been great to um, to have you on and uh, you know Enjoy the rest of your day. Drive safely in your uh, Q7. Don't run over Thanks. any deer. <laughs> and uh, and uh, say and make sure you drop a note into the the local town centre and say thanks very much for your Wi-Fi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Cheers. Cool. Cheers. Thanks, thanks buddy. Please mind the edge of the platform, or you might get sucked off.